Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. I don't know about you, but that's one of my favorite hymns. I think it's one of my favorite lines. Prone to wander, God, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Powerful. A uh, couple, just a couple things. Uh, you will not be, I will not be offended. I am, just so you know, I am 23 days out from COVID. But if you, but I feel like people are like, kind of like, it's this nebulous, like, uh, does he still have the plague? So, when I go back there this, when we're done this morning, feel free to go out a different entrance. Don't shake my hand. I will not be offended. I am fine. I don't have COVID. I had COVID. Uh, it wasn't fun. Um, but uh, I want to be cognizant of that. That I'm, I understand that people are concerned, and they should be. Um, there are a lot of people who are struggling right now. And so... so if no one comes back, it's okay. I won't be offended. If you want to talk from six feet, just say, unclean, and I'll know what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> unclean, unclean. <laughs> That's how it feels. Now I know what they, now I know what that Old, that old Testament scripture, you know, when they're, those, they put them outside the gate. <laughs> well, I'll go preach from outside. <laughs> oh, man. It's good to be back. Um, I haven't been able to be thankful with you guys for three weeks. Uh, I'm thankful to be back in, in service. Um, I think you sometimes forget uh, how important being with your church family, your community is until you like don't, it kind of gets taken away. Uh, and then you feel like, wow, I didn't realize what I was missing until I was missing it. Um, and so this week we're going to talk about a little bit about uh, being thankful for everything. Uh, and th- this has been a rough week, uh, and I don't want to. I don't want to minimize that. There have been a lot of struggles, and there are a lot of people who are hurting, and ailing. Um, and Jody's death is hard, and there's just been a lot of things going on. Holidays are tough. Uh, if you've lost a loved one, holidays. The paradox of a holiday when you're a kid, it's the best thing in the world, right? When you're a kid, you get up, can't wait for Christmas. You can't wait for Easter. You can't wait for Thanksgiving. Those are great times, and you're so excited. Uh, the joke was my wife and her sister were joking last week about they used to practice Christmas. They would come down the stairs for like a week before Christmas and pretend like the stuff was underneath the tree. And, you know, and, and the kids, the, their kids, her kids think that, or uh, my nieces and nephew. I uh, think that's funny. But when we're kids, that's, it was so exciting, and we remember that. And as adults, it changes. It gets, it's hard when we have loss. And so sometimes it's hard to be thankful for those times. But I want to ask you a question. I want to start out with a question, maybe. Maybe I won't start out with a question. Maybe I can't do it. Oh. Oh, Brian, what do we do? Did you do it or I do it? You're the man. So I got a question. So I haven't been here for three weeks. I want to know what you're thankful for. 
I want to know. I want to talk a little bit about what are you thankful for. Even in the hard times, we, we can be thankful for things. And this passage, uh, David is talking about being thankful and thanking our God for what he has given us. So what are you thankful for this morning? What are you thankful for this week? Lois? Amen. He never stops loving you. Chuck? Sobriety. Amen. How many years? 17 and a half. That's awesome. Amen. That's, that's an amazing, uh, amazing feat. What else are you thankful for? Eternal life. Amen. Amen. Steve? She chose the runt, huh? <laughs> Just kidding. What else? What are you thankful for? Come on. That's only like four people. Kelly. Music. Amen. That's The scripture talks about music. We're going to talk about that. Brian, what are you thankful for? Friends and family. Awesome. That's, that's a great one to be thankful for, right? What else? God's word. Amen. Amen. What's that? Freedom to worship. Thank you. My ears aren't working either. Bacon. <laughs> that was Steve's. Steve's was bacon, I think. <laughs> what else are you thankful for? Think about that for a second. What, what, is, what has God blessed you with this week? Amen. Yes. The opportunity to help your brother with his school. That's awesome. I want you to think about that. I want you to think about what you're thankful for. Because it's easy to get tangled up in uh, the, the hard parts of life. It's easy to feel down and not feel good. I... Uh, and to not remember the things that we can be thankful for. That we quickly can do that. We've talked about God being thankful in the good times. And we've talked about being thankful in the bad times. And we've talked about being thankful in the normal day-to-day -day times. By the way, thank you, Brentley. Brentley was, um, I, I got to tell you that I dumped this pile of, COVID dumped this pile. I'm going to blame it on COVID. I don't want to be. It was so unfair. Uh, and Brentley just shined. Um, I got tested positive on a Friday. We had a memorial service on a Saturday that I had prepared to do. We had a sermon on Sunday and a, and a graveside funeral on Monday. And I said to Brentley, sorry, <laughs> but I am stuck. Uh, I can't go to any of these. Uh, and on one day's notice, uh, two days' notice, and three days' notice, uh, he jumped in and uh, with both feet um, and was extremely helpful uh, to those families uh, and the church. And I'm thankful for that. Uh, that was a blessing. Uh, even though I, I didn't want to do it, I had no choice. Um, 
Fine, I don't think it's going to work. I think the battery's died. I might need a Brian battery today. Thanks, Brian. Yes, can you sit? Yeah, thank you, sir. I know you and I will make a contact in our brain. So this passage, uh, if you read 1 Chronicles 16, the, uh, David is bringing the Ark of the Covenant to the, a tent where they can come and worship. And so in the process of coming and worshiping, um, David states what Psalm 105 uh, says. And, and I will tell you this, that one, Psalm 105 doesn't say that it's a Psalm of David. So I'm not sure if David was reading off of someone else's paper, uh, but my sense is he probably actually wrote Psalm 105 uh, because it's exactly the same as in Chronicles in the piece that we read this morning where he's offering thanks. And so in, in Chronicles, they're bringing the Ark of the Covenant. What's in the Ark of the Covenant? Anybody know? The law, right? The Ten Commandments, right? The staff, yep. And some manna. And they carried it around, right? What was, the, what was the Ark of the Covenant about anyway? Oh, by the way, if you want to know what it was, how it was built and what it looks like, uh, there's a bunch of different artist renditions. This is just one of them. But Exodus 25 talks about how, the size of it, um, how it was built, uh, how it was set up. And the priests were to, there were four priests or, um, to carry it on their shoulders. Uh, and they carried it with them. But what was it for? Why do we have an ark? Why did they have an ark of the covenant? What's that? Anybody? The seat? It was the seat of God, right? And it was kind of like their, their church, right? It was kind of like they carried that around to remind them what God uh, was doing, to remind them that God was with them. That God, now, God wasn't inside the the ark per se, right? But they treated the ark with much reverence, did they not? Um, they, they put it in a second room, and do you know the story? When they would go in there, they would tie a rope uh, to the priest's leg. You know why they tied a rope to the priest's leg? So they could pull him out if he died. If God decided to strike him dead inside there, there had to be an opportunity to get him out of there without having to go in and kill, die in the process of trying to get him out. And so they would tie a rope to his leg, and he went to go in there in the Holy of Holies. And if something happened where it was irreverent, something would uh, go bad, they would be able to pull him out. So this, this Ark of the Covenant is a special piece for the Jewish people. And David, in his, in his leadership and wisdom, I appreciate David's leadership, was showing his people by example how they were to worship God. And he didn't only tell them or say, uh, show them, he told them, this is how we're going to worship God and this is how we are going to show that we are thankful to our God. You know, we always say we're, we're thankful or it's thanksgiving, but maybe we should be a little bit more personal. Maybe we should, should say, thank you, God, for this or that or whatever it is. Maybe, maybe making it more personal would help us to be more thankful. Because we always say we're thankful, but maybe thank you is a little bit more personal, is it not? 
The passage today, Brian, I'm going to shoot you. Thank you. The passage today talks about uh, uh, three things, I think, that really help us to understand what it means to live with a thankful heart, what it means to, to be thankful to God. And the first one is, is to revere God, to, to, to respect God, to give him grace, or uh, respect and honor. Go ahead, Brian. So the definition of uh, to revere God is to have great devotion or respect or honor uh, God. I, I am challenged by, our, by, by believers today who put celebrities over God, who put football players or sports players over God, who revere God less than they do someone they saw on TV or any human, pastor or otherwise. There is only one God, and that's the God we revere. See, I think what happens in this world is that um, we, 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 we get challenged by who we're looking at and, and who's doing this. And, and if someone has a church of 30,000, we think that they're a genius, right? Or they're a rock star. That uh, Obviously, they're the best pastor in the whole wide world because they have 30,000 people who bother to come to church. And does that make it more or less important? See, I think sometimes, Brian, shoot me another one, would you? That we think it's all about rainbows and unicorns. And if there's one thing I've learned in ministry in the last 10 years is this. God is so not about rainbows and unicorns. And if you don't know what that means, let me help you understand. I say that a lot. It's not about a fluffy, cozy, warm um, sense that God is always like going to just hold my hand and love me. He does all those things. But if you read scripture and you understand what God's people have gone through and you understand that there are challenges, I will tell you right now that Job, the guy Job in the book of Job, was not rainbows and unicorns. It was not. It was so much not rainbows and unicorns. Let me read you from Job because I think it's so powerful. Job's response. If you don't know what happened to Job, uh, I, I encourage you to read Job 1. Let me tell you what happened. Job lost just about everything. Uh, everything but his wife, and I think he would have liked to have lost her too. I'm just telling, well, if you, if you understand Job, you understand what I'm saying. Uh, she was kind of hard to deal with. Um, she told Job to curse God and, and die, Right? This is Job's response to losing everything. Oh, by the way, the first verse says, he was blameless and upright. He feared God and shunned evil. He was like God's man. And this is what, and he lost everything. He lost everything. And if you read verse chapter one, you'll hear that. This is how, it, what he responds. After he was told that he had lost everything, including his kids, Job got up and tore his robe and shaved his head. He then fell to the ground in worship and said, Naked I have come from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. 
May the name of the Lord be praised. Let me read you that again. The Lord gave, and the Lord took, has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. And in all of this, Job did not sin by charging God with any wrongdoing. I don't know, and I hope to God I never find out if I could say that under the same situation. Our faith is not about rainbows and unicorns. Understand that our faith needs to be deeper because if that's where your faith is today, there's a problem. The first time something goes bad and goes wrong, you walk away. You're challenged in your faith that maybe God isn't really there. My wife and I had a great conversation last week, I think it was. I don't know, maybe the week before. I don't remember about trusting God, it's easy to trust God in the good things. It's easy to trust God when things are going great. It's when things get hard. That's when we really need to trust Him. When things don't make sense, when they don't add up, that's when we have to trust God. And we have to put Him first. Do you know the Jewish... Uh, the Jewish people won't even use the vowel in the word God. They won't write the vowel. They put a line through there. They so revere God and who he is and what he has done for them that they won't say his name. They won't write his name because it's too important. Go ahead, Brian. Let me read you that verse again from chat, verse 1. Give thanks to the Lord and proclaim his greatness. Let the whole world know what he has done. Church, I'm not great at this. I'm working on it. We need to be more open with the praise that God has uh, put on our lives. The, the, the victories that he has done in our lives. We need to be more open with other people about our faith. We need to share that with other people. People are drawn to God through us. It's that simple. I have a buddy, and he shows up. He showed up here at church a couple times. And I've been out of the foundry for 11 years. And every time my buddy's in trouble, you know what he does? He calls me. He calls me. I got to come see you. I need to see you. I just need to talk. He knows. He knows something is different. I'm on my way to South Dakota a week and a half ago. I get a phone call. It's my buddy. He's in the hospital. He's got COVID and he's on uh, oxygen. And he just needs to talk. He just needed to talk and work out what was going on. But I know why he calls me. I know he calls me every time because he wants to know. He's still drawn to God. And he doesn't have it. He doesn't have it. He doesn't understand it. And he's dying to have a real faith. 
And so we have that conversation every time. How are things going? Oh, I just good, but I need to, you know, I need to get life sorted out. Yeah, you need to get. I, I probably should come to church. Yeah, well, it might help you too. You can sit next to me. I'll let you. Um, he understands there's something valuable in faith. He hasn't gotten there yet. He's been tainted by a few people. Um, and so he mocks it to other people. But what he really is desiring, what he loves and what he wants is a relationship with Christ. But he doesn't understand that yet. He hasn't gotten there. And so what happens is we just kind of go around this, this idea. This is what you need, dude. You need Christ. I, ain't nothing else going to fix you. Talking to this guy ain't going to fix you. What you need is Christ. And we go around that circle. All around. <laughs> yeah, and we talk about family, and we talk about what's important, and we talk about, you know. Let me tell you the answer. It's the same answer it was last time you told me. I can't fix you. Only God can fix you. But he understands. He understands that there's something he doesn't have. And he wants it desperately. And it seems to me when you get COVID and you get pneumonia and you can't breathe anymore, that seems to change your priorities a bit. So I had two chances to talk to him and one on the way out of South Dakota and one on the way back. It was good. The second thing that helps us have a thankful heart is to sing our hearts out. I want to encourage you, you know, if you're not singing, if you're not singing your heart out when you come to worship, I'm going to ask you this question, why not? Scripture tells us that if, if you don't sing, the rocks will cry out. Why aren't you singing? And if you tell me that I don't have a good voice or I don't have this or that, eh, wrong answer. It's not about what we sound like. It's about singing our worship to God. David says, listen, sing praise to him for all of his wonderful acts. That is why we sing praise. We're not singing praise to make a good sound. We're singing praise to our God because it's important. Thanks, Brian. It's important that you sing praise. Don't, don't make excuses for your inability or, or resistance to sing praise to the one who has created you and gave you eternal life. Go ahead, Brian. And this verse will stick out. This is uh, paraphrased, obviously, but it says, Our actions, words, and our thoughts originate in our heart. Think about that for a moment. If you're not willing to share uh, in the praise of our God, I have to ask you what's in your heart. What's on the inside? Because God doesn't care what your voice sounds like. He doesn't care if you can carry a tune in a bucket. He doesn't care whether that note is too high for you or not. He doesn't care. That's not what it's about. One, of, one young man in this church, I absolutely love 
the way he sings. Mr. Sam Renner can sing. Huh, Sam? Sam sings with all his heart. He don't care what anybody thinks. He doesn't care about uh, what anybody would say. Sam sings with his heart, with everything he's got. And Sam, you're a great example of what we should do here. And he'd probably even let you sit next to him and you could sing with him. It's important, church, that we understand that we have to sing praise to our God. Go ahead, Brian. This verse says, sing praise to him and tell of all his wonderful acts. Isn't that what these verses, are, these, these songs are about? They're about our God and what he has done for us and how he has worked in our life. We go through the, the Psalms and we read of all these, um, give praise to the Lord for he is good. Uh, all those different, uh, those different lines. It says, let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. You should come with a heart that wants to rejoice, that wants to find God and to thank Him for His goodness. And finally, he says, let God be your strength. I picked this for one reason. Because I think all too often, as our humanness gets in the way, we think that we can work out enough, or that we can figure out life enough, or that we can pay enough to take care of our needs. That we somehow don't want to be given anything from God. That if we just do enough, that we will be okay. I had a talk with a, a friend, pastor friend of mine last week. And we were talking about a, a mutual friend of ours um, who comes to his church about six times a year. And he says, you know, every time I see this guy, I see him and his wife, they always are like, well, we need to get back to church. We need to come to church. And he says, you know what? Every time he tells me that, guess what happens? He doesn't show up. I said, yeah, I hear you. It's kind of like babysitting sometimes. It's kind of like babysitting. People see me and they're like, oh, we need to get to church. We'll be there this week. Let me tell you, I'm going to let you off the hook. I'm letting you off the hook right now. It's not my problem. My job is not to babysit. If you don't want to come sit in the pew and worship our God, Guess what? It's on you. It ain't on me. You ain't getting to heaven through Dan. That's a guarantee. I can promise you that. You aren't. But, but there's, a, there's a value in the community of our faith, right? I agree with you. Not sitting in the pew. I agree with you. But, but I don't think, I think we have to be very careful that we as people don't think that we can do enough or put enough in a plate or or just do enough ministry, or this or that, or the other thing. That's not where our faith comes from. Our faith is in the, in the cross and Jesus Christ, period. Nothing else. Right? That's where it's coming from. And anything else is a waste. 
I, I bet you're wondering, why would I put this picture? Well, verse 4 says this. Look at, to the Lord and his strength and seek his face always. Do you know, um, for, for children under six months, and it might, I might not be exact on the six-month part, but do you know the, the length of focus for a baby? It's about eight inches. A, a, a child is born with, with a focus, uh, to be able to focus at a eight inches. You know why? Not evolution, just telling you. Because God created that child with the ability to bond, especially with their mom, but with their mom and their dad. And that bonding spot is that closeness of eight inches. And so when a child is born, they can't see six or eight or ten feet. It's all fuzzy out there. What they can see is mom and dad when they're face to face. Right? When we want to get our kids' attention, don't we grab them <laughs> by the face? And we look me in the eyes. Isn't that what God wants with us? Look him in the eyes. It's not about fluffy rainbows and unicorns. It's about the hard parts of understanding who God is and who we are in the world he has created. Go ahead, Brian. It says, this is the verse 4. It says, look to the Lord and his strength. Seek his face always. Seek that connection. You don't get that by just coming and sitting in a pew. I agree with you, Ken. You don't. You get that from a deep and difficult and challenging relationship where you ask yourself the questions. Am I following what God uh, is directing in my path? Good old J. Vernon McGee. I don't know if you know who that is. Uh, kind of like Jay Vernon. I listened to him on the way home. He said, that's the problem with the church today. He said, we've decided that we no longer go to God for our answers. We will make it more like a business, and we'll go and we'll decide in a board what God has decided. Instead of going to God himself, we'll make, we'll make enough people in a circle to be, able, to be able to make decisions, but we, for, we forget to go to God and actually get the decisions we need. Just like Connie said this morning, we probably should be most grateful for eternity, for the cross. That picture is not, I don't know where that picture is from, but when I was in South Dakota last week, I saw lots of rocks and lots of pine trees, some beautiful mountains, and some of just absolutely mind-boggling uh, beauty, God's beauty. And I couldn't help but be moved by what I saw. I couldn't help but be moved 
by the amazing world God has put in front of us. But you know what? It's more than that. It's more than just the beauty of the world we are in. It's more than being thankful for uh, a place to live. It's being thankful for a Savior who came and lived a life of perfection and died on that cross and rose again for us. That's where I need to be most thankful. Thankful that God cared enough for me while I was yet an enemy, the scriptures say. He cared enough for me to send his son Jesus. Even when he knew, even when he knew that I had already turned my back on him. That I would do the things that would embarrass him. That I would live some of my life failing miserably. He still sent Jesus for me. And he sent Jesus for you. And to that, to that, I can be and say, thank you, Jesus, for what you've done in my life. Let's pray. Lord, you're good. You're so good even though we don't deserve it. You're good when we've been bad. You're good when we get lazy. You're good when we question you. Lord, it's been a, it's been a rough week that way. Some things don't make sense. And yet you're still good. You still love us. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Lord, I pray this week for each one of us that it will be a week of rest and of reflection. That, Lord, we will step back from the craziness of the world and reflect on the things that we can be thankful for. Lord, allow us to walk through thanksgiving into your birth, being reminded of such good you have created in our lives. In your name we pray.